Uh, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. The Bible in several places gives us um, like a lot of really important stuff in a really short passage of Scripture. Uh, I call it God kind of putting everything in a nutshell for us. And this is one of those passages where God really, through the Holy Spirit, and of course the writer of the book of Acts was Luke. A lot of you might not know that, but Luke wrote the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit moved on him to write these words that I'm going to read today. And actually, uh, this first thing that I'm going to read is a sentence uh, from the last part of Peter's sermon. And, um, and then it's going to go into a description of a healthy church, what a healthy church looks like, the components of a healthy church. So one of our goals here at the bridge, we're, we're glad you're here. We love the attendance here today. Attendance is good in this service today. Thank you for being here. But we're not just about numbers, but we want this to be a healthy church. How many of you know that a church can be big and not be healthy? And so we want to be a healthy church. That's most important. So as I go through this scripture, I want you to really look at the yellow writing because it kind of uh, talks about the vision, not just for the bridge, but every church, but it certainly applies to the bridge. So Peter is uh, closing out his sermon, and he says uh, in verse 40, Acts 2.40, And with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, exhorted the church, saying, or exhorted the community, really, when he was preaching here, he was preaching to the whole community. He said, be saved from this perverse generation. Be saved. Can I just tell you that that is what the bridge is about? Who would agree with me that we live in a perverse generation? Now, you've got to know this was written 2,000 years ago, and they said it was perverse then. I am sure it is perverse now, and what our job is, is to love on people, demonstrate the love of Jesus to people, serve people, teach people, but our ultimate goal here is that the people who come in contact with the bridge, everybody read the yellow with me, that everybody who comes in contact with the bridge will be saved. That's it. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. I, am, I have been saved. I still live in that perverse generation, but I have been saved. And a lot of you are sitting here, and you've received Christ, and you've been saved. So what's our job? Is our job to just come to church every week and just sit here and listen to the songs and, uh, you know, serve maybe, give an offering, and just go home and forget about it till the next week? No. Our job is to do everything we can to make sure that every lost person is saved from this perverse generation. Now, in the next scripture we're going to go into right now is a description of a healthy church. So watch the yellow writing very closely. And I'm not going to comment anymore. I'm just going to read through it because if I comment on it, I will preach too long. And I really, really want to comment on it. How many of y'all know preachers like that? Okay. Acts 20, verse 40, now we're in 41. Then those, notice the yellow, then those who gladly received his word, we want to be that kind of church, were baptized. And we know when somebody gets baptized, it is because they gave their heart to Jesus. We know that baptism doesn't make you a Christian. Water baptism is something you do because you became a Christian. Who's with me out there? We got that? Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day 
about 3,000 souls, not just numbers of people, but people were saved. Souls were added to them. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. They were loyal. They were committed. And the apostles' doctrine is very important in a healthy church. And fellowship is very important. In the breaking of bread, fellowship, connection, that's probably talking about not only eating together, but communion, having communion together. And they were also together in what? Their prayers. Look at the next slide. Verse 43, what's the result of all that? What is the result of the church being healthy? Then fear, not this kind of fear, not trembly fear, but amazement. That word means awe, A-W-E. They were in awe. Then fear came upon every soul, and that means not just the people who were in the church, but the community around the church. Let me ask you a question. I know I wasn't going to comment, but I'm commenting just a little bit, just a little bit. How many of you want the bridge to be a church that stuff so powerful is happening in here, it impacts out there? Amen, amen? That's what that's talking about. Then fear, amazement, all. Uh, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs, miracles were done through the leaders of the church, through the, through, the, through the spiritually mature people in the church. Wonders and signs and miracles were done. You know what I want here at the bridge? I want a church that you, everything in it can't be explained. I mean, I want a church where stuff happens and people go, now explain that to me, and you have to kind of look at them and go, I can't explain that to you. That was a God moment right there. Y'all know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't want to be able to logically explain everything that happens here because I want God doing some really amazing stuff that we don't have an explanation for other than God did it. Y'all with me out there? No, uh, verse um, 44. Now here's a miracle. The church was together. <laughs> All who believed were together. How many of you know that's a miracle for a lot of churches to get together on something? And had all things in common. Miracle. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. That means they took care of each other. They took care of each other. Don't get nervous. We're not going to ask you to sell anything. But they took care of each other. That's what that means. Verse 46. So continuing daily, and I should have made that yellow because that denotes steadfastness. That denotes commitment. They continued steadfastly. How? With what? That's one of the miracles in the Bible. There were 120 people in the upper room, and the Bible says they all got in one accord, and Hondas are not that big. So, so that's a miracle right there. A lot of y'all didn't know about. I've got jokes. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with what? What did we say about the church being a joyful place? I mean, if you come on a Sunday and you're not joyful, fake it. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because unbelievers are looking for a life that's not like theirs. They're looking for gladness, joy, and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, here's what that healthy church did. Praising God and having favor with all the people. I love that phrase, having favor with all the people, because here's what that means. That means that that church had a good relationship with the community. Ladies and gentlemen, that is so important. 
So important. The Pharisees had a terrible relationship with the community in Bible times because they were, they were hyper-religious, not hyper-spiritual, but hyper-religious. They, they had their rules. They had their regulations. They had this holy, holy mentality that they were better than everybody else. And so it separated them from the community, and the community didn't want anything to do with that kind of relation, that, uh, that kind of uh, uh, religion. They didn't want anything to do with that kind of system. And so this church that had just been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 at the beginning, it was a church that had favor with how many of the people? Now that's important, guys. That's so important that we have a good relationship, not just with the people who come here and call the bridge their home, but we have to have a good relationship with our community around us. Amen and amen. So important. Last sentence. And the Lord added to the church daily, showing that a healthy church is going to grow, but not just in numbers, those who were being what? So we want life change. We don't want just numbers. I love you guys coming. It's awesome to stand up here and see the church almost full. But I want to tell you that it's not about the numbers. It is about life change. It is about people committing their life to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you seven things that will take the bridge to an HNL. An HNL. How many of y'all know what that HNL is? Now it's bad English, but it's really good, powerful. That means it's going to take the bridge to a what? Whole nother. Boom. Whole nother level. All right. So here's the seven things, and I'm going to put them in the form of a question. What if the bridge prayed strategically? Number one, it's coming on the screen right now. Prayed strategically. What if it prayed? What if we prayed? Not just prayed, because we got an awesome prayer team, and they pray, and we have seasons of prayer, and uh, we call you on Wednesday nights. We'll have a time of refresh. Some of you have been to that, and we pray, and we have seasons of prayer. But we're going to pray strategically this year as a church. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to put tools in your hands on Sunday morning so you will know what we're praying about. We're going to pray very strategically. Um, you know, general prayers are great. Uh, getting on your knees to pray and just praying of what you think of, that's fine. But boy, when you make a list and you work on that and you say, I want to be very strategic, I want to be very careful of what I'm praying about. And the way you do that is, first of all, we have to achieve harmony as a church. Now, notice I didn't say unity because I don't want a church in unity. I want to serve a church that's in harmony. And here's the difference. Have you ever heard a four-part quartet get up and sing in unity, in unison. That's all those four guys or four gals or two guys or whatever. And they're singing in unison. That means they're all singing the same note. And that's okay, but it's not very exciting. It really doesn't catch your attention. But what makes a singing group powerful, and we have it in our choir too, I heard it today, is harmony. That means you got one over here singing lead, or soprano, you got one over here singing um, tenor, you got one over here singing what I sing also. <laughs> some people call it alto. So they're singing different parts, some singing bass, some singing, you know, different parts, but it blends, and that's the kind of church I want. I want a church that everybody doesn't look the same, everybody doesn't come from the same background. Um, I, I, I love a church. You know, I, I love the fact that we're in the South. I was walking through the church 
uh, in the early service with a carton of eggs in my hand. Anybody see my carton of eggs? That means I'm still pastoring in the country because I got women bringing me eggs that got chicken stuff on them. I love <laughs> that's fresh, that's country farm freshness right there, buddy. And um, um, you folks from up north, if you don't know what the chicken stuff is, we'll tell you after service. But so she, and I love that, but we got people here from all over the country. I love the fact that we're in a military town, and we got people from all over the country. I just love all you guys who come to us uh, who are serving in the Air Force. And I had a guy that here this morning, a young man I hadn't seen in a long time. He walked in, and he was back, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, I got to get back with God. And he had on a tie that told the military arm of service he was in. He's in the Army, and he was standing there talking about what the service meant to him and it was so good to see him. And we got folks in different, different places of military service, not just Air Force and Army, but National Guard and other, and we appreciate that and we love that. But we love how the base here brings people in from everywhere. You know, foreigners, people from foreign countries like California and stuff like that. <laughs> it's fantastic. Let me tell you something else I love about our church. I love that when I look out at our church, I don't just see white people. I'm going to say that again because I know y'all didn't hear me. But I love it when I look out and I don't just see white people. Amen. I'm telling you, man, I love that I'm seeing people all different colors coming to the bridge, all different nationalities coming to the bridge, different backgrounds, that harmony, man, that harmony coming together. So when we pray, what we're going to do is we're going to use a prayer journal, and I'm going to encourage you to use one, and we're going to teach you in the series that's coming up next week, first sermon series called Recipe, and it is Recipe for a Powerful Prayer Life, a prayer life that will change your life, and we're going to teach you how to do a prayer journal. And it's broken up into three basic parts. Number one, your personal prayers, your bridge church prayers, and then finally your kingdom prayers. And we'll describe and uh, explain all that uh, next week. we got a wonderful prayer team. I want to just encourage any of you out there who feel like you might want to serve on that team and, and you love praying and you enjoy praying. You want to learn to be a better prayer warrior for God. And maybe you even have the gift of ministering to people in the altar after services. I'll call the prayer team up. If you feel like that's something you could do, uh, we would love to talk to you. And there will be some training that will be involved. And you will need to know our vision for how we see all that working but we would love to have you on our prayer team. Number two, not only what if we prayed strategically, but what if we served him, not them? Now, here's what I mean by that. We, I'm going to just be raw today. You know, when we're talking about the need for volunteers in our church, we a lot of times don't use the word need because we don't want you to get the idea that, hey, we'll just, hey, you know, we need you. We need you so bad. It really is an opportunity. But, guys, I'm telling you, our church is booming. Our church is growing. And when a church grows, more people have to get involved, get down out of the bleachers, and get in the game. And the reason we have trouble with that, and the reason not only we have trouble with that, but the reason all churches, every pastor, every church I talk to, 
I'm blessed to do some consulting with smaller churches. Every pastor I talk to, every church I talk to, they struggle with getting enough volunteers. And we're one of those churches too. I want to just be honest with you. There's volunteers. We need some people to step up right now. And the reason we do is because God's blessing our church. But the reason people burn out and the reason people step aside and the reason people get frustrated when they're serving is because they're serving them not him. When you understand that by volunteering at the bridge, you're blessing Pastor Farrell, you're blessing the staff, you're blessing the church, but you're primarily serving your king. I drove up this morning, got out of my car, was coming in, and there was a gentleman about my age standing there with a Mickey Mouse glove on, and he had on his yellow vest, and he was high-fiving the kids and welcoming them into church, making sure people were able to go through the crosswalk without, you know, getting in an accident and make sure everything's safe. And I just watched him, and I thought, there's a guy who gets it. There's a guy who understands that what he's doing isn't for Pastor Farrell. Now, he, he doesn't mind serving me as his pastor in that way, but he understands that he's not primarily serving me. He's not even primarily serving those kids he's given a high five to or those parents. He understands that he's serving God. And when you understand that when you volunteer, you are serving God, that will change your whole perspective. How you view yourself as a volunteer uh, is either going to highly motivate you or it's going to give you a perspective that causes you to have little or no motivation and you're going to give up quickly, you're going to burn out quickly. And the whole thing is that when you understand you're serving Jesus when you volunteer here at the bridge, that you're primarily serving Jesus, then you're going to be motivated and you're going to be joyful in your service. So I want you to think about that. I want to put that challenge out there. You're, you're gifted, you're talented. Let me give you some homework to do. Go home and read Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. In that chapter, it talks about the master who goes away, just like Jesus has gone to heaven, and he leaves gifts, he leaves talents with his servants. And then he returns from his trip, and one day Jesus is going to what? He's going to return. And, and when that master returns, he asks them, what did you do with the talents I gave you? And two of them did well, but one of them hid his talent and didn't use it. And you know what Jesus said that the master called him? Lazy and even wicked. Here's the, here's the message. You're going to stand before God one day, and he's going to ask you what you did with your talent, what you did with your gifts. And so we want you to step up. Come on down out of the bleachers and get in the game. Now, you get to sit in the bleachers some, but come down out of the bleachers and get in the game. Number three, what if we had an increased outward focus in our church? Now, I'm going to read a scripture to you, and it's not going to come up on the screen. So get your Bible. If you've got your Bible there, go to the book of Matthew and go to chapter 5 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. And I want to read you one sentence Jesus said, but in that sentence there are three things. Jesus said to Pharaoh Hardison, Jesus said to you, Jesus said to the bridge, hey bridge, hey Pharaoh, hey staff at the bridge, hey person who attends the bridge, listen up. 
let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men. That means lost men, men and women who don't know Christ. Let your light so shine before them that they will see your good works. You know what that means? See Jesus in you. And when they see you letting your light shine, and when they see you doing good works, and they see Jesus in you, then it says the result of that will be that they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, the only way a person is going to glorify God who is in heaven is if that person surrenders their life to Christ. So what Jesus is implying here is if you let your light shine out there in the world by serving and loving and being a blessing, if you turn from being an inward person to an outward person and and people see Jesus in you, it's going to make them want him. It's going to make them desire him. Have Have you ever, as a Christian, done things God has been dealing with you about doing? And somebody goes, why, why are you doing that for me? You know, why, why didn't you turn your back on me? Everybody else did. Why didn't you, why didn't you just go in another direction? Everybody else did. Why, why do you care about me? Why are you showing me such generosity? Why are you showing me such kindness? That's what it's talking about in Matthew 5, 16. When they see your good works, they will want whatever it is that's in you so they too can glorify your Father who is in heaven. Outward focus. Ask yourself this question. What am I doing to let Jesus shine through my life every day? What am I doing to let him shine through my life so unbelievers will see him in me? And that will cause them to want Christ and accept Christ and begin a life that brings glory to the Father. See, we don't want to be Pharisees. Pharisees were the bad guys of the Bible. They were religious, but they were enemies of Jesus. Pharisees were inward focused. It was all about them. It was all about their rules and their regulations that weren't in the Bible. They just made them up. And they were all about those rules and keeping those rules. They had a, they had a us like church versus them outside the church. They had a mentality like that, believers versus unbelievers. But Jesus was outward, wasn't he? Jesus was very social. Do y'all remember the first thing Jesus did when he began his earthly ministry? He went to a party. I'm loving me some Jesus, aren't you? Jesus went to a party. He went to a wedding. He went to a wedding, and they ran out of wine, and so he turned the water into wine. Jesus was accused of being a a glutton and a wine-bibber because he spent so much time showing his love to unbelievers, and that's who we want to be. We want to be a person who shows Jesus in what we say and in what we do. And the Bible promises us, I believe it's a promise there in Matthew 5, 16, when it says, when they see him in you, they will want what you have, and they will end up glorifying God with their lives. So powerful. I want to just challenge you guys to learn how to have a conversation with an unbeliever. That day is going to come. That day is going to come when an unbeliever knows you go to the bridge. They've been watching you, and they're going to have some questions for you, and you need to know how to have a good, solid conversation with a person who doesn't know Jesus. You say, well, how can I learn that? I want you to listen to me. We offer you here from the bridge a free service. Now, it costs us several hundred dollars a month to make this available to you online. It's called Right Now Media. 
And if you're not connected to Right Now Media, you remember that email address I gave you, info at bridgechurch.cc? If you will write us and say, hey, I want to get that. I want to I get connected to Right Now Media. And some of you are probably going, well, what is it? It is training. It is teaching. It is preaching. It is incredible, awesome, amazing videos that teach you, for instance, how to have a conversation with an unbeliever. And, you know, we might need to turn the TV off and quit looking at some of the stuff we look at and look at something like this. Did I just preach right there? I think I did. And so, guys, get hooked up with Right Now Media. And if you don't remember that email address, again, it's info at bridgechurch.cc. Just call the church uh, and say, you know, I want to get hooked up with whatever that thing. And we'll send you a link, and you'll click on that link, and the bridge has its own wall, its own page there. And we got tons of videos uh, of other ministers. We're going to put some videos on there of our teaching, and, and we want you to have access to that so you can learn to have influence with unbelievers. Number four, what if we increased our spirit of generosity? What if rather than walking around with our hands clenched, holding on tight, what if we lived an open-handed life and said, you know what, Lord, you gave me the talent you gave me. I want to use it for you. You know what, Lord, you gave me time. I want to give you some of my time. You know what, Lord, you gave me finances. God, I want to be generous with all that you've given me. Living generously is when you live intentionally to use your God-given resources to bless other people. I'm telling you, um, you know, the, the missionary who came out, Gene, today, and, and uh, Gene Hancock and his wife Liz, who were with us today, I mean, he's up here standing here telling you guys, and he, sat, he stood back there with me backstage with tears running down his face saying, I wish I could have told him this they did and this they did. He said, I'm telling you, Pastor, because of the bridge. He said, I'm not, I don't mean just because a bunch of people gave. He said, I'm telling you, because the bridge gave, we're able to. And he was telling me about providing water, clean water. He said, the bridge did that. He said, I didn't have time to tell them everything that they were doing. And he just weeping as he was telling me that. And guys, you're doing it. You're already doing it. And here's what I would say to those of you who are kind of living that life with a clenched fist. I'm telling you, man, there's no freedom in that. Freedom is when you go, what? When you, go you know what, God? It makes me nervous to really open my hands, but you gave it every bit to me. Every bit, everything I own, every good thing I own, you gave it to me. And God, in 2016, I'm going to live my life with an open hand. I'm not going to live my life with clenched fists anymore. I'm going to be more generous. Number five, what would happen here at the bridge this year if we expected miracles? I know that's kind of like, mm, okay, but... What if, what if we did this? Let, let's make it real. What if we took that prayer journal and had a little page in it where we were listing miracles we're praying for to happen in our life? I want you to be honest. Now, you're not going to get to vote if you come to the bridge very much, so you better vote on this. How many of you need a miracle? What if you wrote it down? What if you wrote that down? And what if you looked at that page every day and prayed just a little prayer every day, Father, 
You're a miracle-working God. You know what a lot of us think? We think miracles are for other people. We like reading books about miracles that happen to other people. We We like reading in the Bible where miracles happen to people in the Bible. But you know what a lot of you believe? A lot of you believe God doesn't have a miracle for you. That's the enemy. God loves to display his glory. He loves to manifest his power. You know what? You might not have a miracle in your life because you've never thought that you were worthy or that God was interested. Hear me today. I believe God has a miracle for you in 2016. I don't know what it is, but what if you wrote it down? You say, well, pastor, I, got a, I need a miracle, but I, I know some other people who need a miracle. Write theirs down. And just say, God, now here's my miracle list. And just go through your list and say, I offer up to you, God, these are the miracles I'm praying for in 2016. And Pastor Jeremy and I were talking about that yesterday. And you know what Pastor Jeremy said to me? He said, Pastor, I've got that page in my journal. If you want to know how to keep a prayer journal, you ought to see Pastor Jeremy. Man, he writes everything down. Pastor Jeremy lives by the motto, the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. Who says amen to that? Especially when you get about my age. So he said, Pastor, I marked off three miracles in my life that happened for me this year. You know what Jesus says? You know what the Word of God says? You have not because you ask not. You say, but, but when I ask, I want to make sure of this, and I want to make sure of the, that, and I want, I want to make sure I'm living this way. And I want, hey, you know what? If you ask for something, God will check you on those things, and he'll go, hey, man, you can ask me for that, but we need to deal with this in your life, and we need to deal with that. So you know what? You can start by asking. I'm challenging you in that prayer journal to have a page of miracles you're praying for. And let's expect a miracle in the new year. Who's with me? What about, what about you writing that miracle down and then God does it? And then you get to tell your story. And I'm about to freak some of you out right here. But what if we put that on a video and you and put it up there and tell your story about the miracle that happened to you? And then there's a person sitting in the audience who didn't get a thing out of my sermon, which I can't imagine that ever happening. (laughs) But they got your testimony. And because of your testimony of a miracle in your life that we showed on a video, they believed for themselves. And God did a miracle in them. I tell you, I'm about to get happy up here. Let me just shake my leg. I'm telling you, buddy, that's awesome right there. Let's get a hold of that this year. And we're going to remind you. As a matter of fact, we're going to hound you about it this year. These seven things I'm giving you, this isn't the only time you're going to hear them. You're going to hear them throughout the year. Number six, what if we really owned it? What if we really took ownership of the vision here at the bridge? I mean, take ownership and and just say, you know what? I'm going to get hold of the vision. And if I don't understand it, I'm going to ask somebody to explain it to me again. And I want to get a hold of that. And I want to own the vision here at the bridge. I want Pastor Farrell, I believe God's given you a vision. And I want to possess that vision. I want to own that vision. 
Now, I've got a whole bunch of notes here that I don't, don't have time to preach, but I've got the characteristics of a person who owns it. And I'm going to go through them real quick. I know y'all don't think I can't comment, but I'm not going to comment. A person who owns it is motivated by God-given vision. They're not motivated by people or an organization. You're not motivated by the bridge or feral. You're motivated because of your love for God. People who own it have their head on swivel. They're always looking around. Who remembers that in football practice? You're always looking around, seeing who you can bless seeing who you can help, seeing who you can minister to. People who own it, their vocabulary changes from your church to our church. People stop saying, your church, your church, and they start saying, our church. Here's another one. They stop asking what God and the church can do for them, and they start asking what they can do for God and the church. Here's another one. They always go above and beyond what is expected they are burdened to see God's vision accomplished for the church, and they're willing to fast and pray to see his will done. People who own it desire to find solutions, not just point out problems. Did y'all hear that one? That's a good one. People who own it take initiative. They don't wait for someone to uh, beg them or plead with them. They just step up and take initiative. People who own it make themselves available to help when there's a shortage of some kind. They'll step, step up and fill that shortage. Uh, they joyfully sacrifice to see others or to see God's will done. We got a little saying here at the bridge. A person who owns it is willing to give their heart and hands to the place of greatest demand. They're always a student. They're learning, always learning, always getting better, always becoming more effective. They don't complain or get discouraged about what others do or don't do. They're so focused on what God's called them to do that they are pushing to do their very best. That's a person who owns it. And then finally, number seven. And this is a real burden for my heart. What if in this new year we really strategically developed a system for you to follow. You'd have to follow. You know the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but what? Can't make him drink. So we're going we're gonna to put a lot of places you can get watered, but you got to come get it. we got to make disciples, guys. we got to make disciples. You say, well, aren't we already doing that? We are, but not like we could. Here's something that's burdened my heart. Here's something I see that just breaks my heart. A person who attends the bridge will get a basic Bible question from one of their friends at work. And that person, instead of answering that basic Bible question, they will say, well, let me hook you up with my pastor. Or let me hook you up with one of the staff members. Here's, here's my vision. I want you to be able to answer that question. I want you to be able to, without trembling, without quivering, without fear, say, I know what the Bible says about that, and here's what God's Word says. So we're going in this year, we're going to make some avenues available to you, and that Right Now Media is one of them. If you want to get started today, I hope you'll get on Right Now Media and go to the Bridge page and create an account, put your own password there, and check out the videos. But guys, we want you to be discipled. What would happen if everybody in the bridge got discipled, so when they were asked any question by anybody, they would go, I know what that is. I know what God says about that. I know what the Word of God says about that. But you're not going to be able to say that unless you're trained, unless you're rooted in the Word of God. So we're going to get away from this thing of, hey, man, thanks for that question. Let me ask my pastor. 
And there might be some things you would need to ask somebody who knows a little bit more. But basic questions of life, you ought to be able to answer those. And that would raise our church to an H-N-L, whole nother level. Is, are, are you getting this? Do you, do you believe this? Um, I saw a picture this week that challenged my heart because people give you excuses. They'll say, well, the reason I don't do it is I'm busy and I got this going on. And, you know, I got a real busy schedule. And Pastor Jeremy and I were talking and he said, Pastor, I want you to see a picture of a church in the Philippines. And I want that picture to just come up. And they're sitting in church with water to their knees. And they're flooded out. What's your excuse? What's mine? If they can do that right there, with joy, with excitement. And you know what? I bet none of them called to see if they were having church. I bet every one of them went, I'm going to church and... It doesn't matter to me where the water is. I know my pastor. I know my church. We're going to be having church. And they walked in and they sat down. And that church looks full to me. Matter of fact, it looks like to me there are people standing outside waiting to get in that service. And the water is this deep in the sanctuary. Guys, we're blessed. Can I just remind you that to whom much is given, much is required. You will never see a day unless there's some incredible, it'd almost be apocalyptic, but you'll probably never see a day that you'll walk in this sanctuary where the air conditioner isn't on in the summer and the warmth isn't on in the winter, the lights are on, the coffee shop's going, every space is state-of-the-art. What are we going to do for God in 2016? What are we going to do? I need you to come out of the bleachers and get in the game. And let's take the bridge. Everybody say it. Let's take it to a... Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.